excited today, you guys. I have Andrea Owen. She is an author, a global speaker, a professional certified life coach who helps high-achieving women maximize unshakable confidence and master resilience. She has taught hundreds of thousands of women tools and strategies to be able to empower themselves to live their most kick-ass life through speaking, through her books, coaching, and a wildly popular podcast with close to 3 million downloads. She is the proud author of two books, one which has been translated into 18 different languages and available in 22 countries. Her latest book, Make Some Noise, Speak Your Mind and Own Your Strength, is coming in August of 2021. Andrea is a certified professional co-active coach from the Coaches Training Institute, a professional certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, and she recovers coach as well as certifying Daring Way facilitator, a modelly based in research of Dr. Brian Brown. When she's not juggling her full coaching practice or writing books, Andrea is busy riding her Peloton bike, chasing her two school-aged children, or making out with her husband, Jason. She is also a retired roller derby player, having skated under the name Veronica Vane. Hmm. Andrea, <laughs> welcome. Hi, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am so excited to, we started talking and I could just tell we like instantly vibed and just so much, I feel like you have to offer and to share and what you've done. So I think we can all say we are so excited to hear from you today um, and to learn from you. Thank you. Yeah. You and I have parallel lives. So we'll have a, we'll have a lot to talk about both online and offline. Yep. I love it. So um, what kind of brought you, I don't even want to dive into the book just yet. Can you kind of give me the backstory of how you ended up doing this? Because like, I feel like that's all amazing, but I'm always so curious, what kind of brought you to this path that you're on now? Yeah, it's kind of one of those like funny, not funny stories of evolution. And I found out about life coaching around 2003. I was, I have a fitness background. And before that, I had a fashion merchandising background. So, you know, kind of a renaissance soul, if you will. And I was sitting in our where our computer was, and this is even before laptops, I think. <laughs> and I was telling my my then husband, we're we're divorced now and I'm remarried, but I said, this life coaching thing sounds really cool. And this was way before the industry exploded. And I I also said to him, but I don't feel like I have a whole lot of life experience to offer. And I feel like if you're going to be a life coach or a therapist, you should have more life experience. And I was about 27 at the time. And so the universe is hilarious. And a couple of years after that, handed me my life experience. So my husband at the time, we'd been together for 13 years since I was in high school. We were considering uh, and talking about conceiving our first child. We knew we wanted to have a few children. And he had an affair with our neighbor. He'd been having an affair with her for seven months and essentially living a double life. He had lied to her as well and got her pregnant. And left me and decided, hey, I'm in love with this other woman. Bye. And I was devastated. We'd been together for forever. I was 31 at the time. I wanted children. You know, like I was I was ready. And then I immediately started dating, which was not the wisest choice, but I needed a distraction and I was not healthy at the time, emotionally or mentally. And this person, to make that long story short, ended up lying about having cancer throughout our entire relationship conned me out of thousands of dollars and actually had an opioid addiction, which I did not know about. And he went to rehab. I went to rehab with him like a family week type of thing to try to repair our relationship because we were going to have this baby together. And that was really the only reason I was giving him a second chance. 
And right after that, I found out he was having a relationship with someone there at rehab who was even in like our group sessions together as I was pouring out my soul in front of everybody. So I came home traumatized and decided I needed to change my life. And it was devastating. And at the same time, I had to take responsibility for what I had let in. Because I'll tell you this, I had ignored my intuition when it told me not to marry my first husband, when it told me on the first date with the fake cancer guy that something wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And so I had tolerated this kind of abuse. And I'm not letting those guys off the hook. They did some pretty heinous things. But I realized that the common denominator was me and I needed to look at my own stuff and heal. And that that's when I dove into really dove into therapy and recovery and then started my life coaching certification and the rest, as they say, is history. I love it. And I think that, I mean, I can relate to so much of what you just said. And isn't it funny how sometimes like we think we know what we want, but we're not really sure. But then life is like handed to us and it's kind of hard stuff, right? It's (laughs) the hard stuff that kind of sticks. And, um, you know, it's, it's, but I think that's the hard thing for a lot of people is it's for myself. I feel like I'm very in tune with my intuition. Mm-hmm. I think we all are. We, but, but there are times that I feel like there's so much noise that you can't quite hear it. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. And there's a few, there's a few caveats to that. I, I do think that naturally, especially women, we are very much in tune with our intuition, but I just, I just want to make mention that people who've experienced trauma, um, especially when it's complex trauma, and also especially if it's in, in childhood, have a, tend to have a hard time listening to their intuition because many times they've experienced gaslighting and, and have been told that their intuition is wrong. So I just wanted to mention that for anybody out there who's struggling with listening to their intuition. If you think that might be you, therapy is a great tool to to try to unpack that. And also, we don't listen to our intuition. And, and this was the case for me and in, in my relationships because the alternative, like what my intuition was telling me was not what I wanted to hear. And, and if we're going to actually listen and take action, we're going to have to do something that is painful. So it's sort of like we realize that both, both outcomes are terrible. Like, do I stay in this relationship where my gut is telling me it's not for me and just kind of see what happens? <laughs> Let's roll the dice. Or do I listen to my intuition and walk away? And then typically on the other side, we don't get like validation that it was not the relationship for us. Do you know what I mean? It's not like that movie Sliding Doors. It's an old movie. I'm aging myself with Gwyneth Paltrow. Did you ever see that movie? I didn't. Okay. So basically (laughs) the the premise is that she – it, she gets on this this uh, subway in one kind of like a, a choose your own adventure type of thing where there's multiple endings. She and then in one instance she misses the train, and so the movie shows what happens to her life when she misses the train versus when she gets on it. One situation is she catches her fiance cheating on her, and they break up. And anyway, we don't. It's not tied up in a nice little bow at the end where we we were like, oh, it's a good thing I listened to my intuition because look what ended up happening. That doesn't always happen, sure. and that's I think the hard part for us to really listen. Sure, and and I think exactly what you said. Like both options are hard, right? I mean, right. Staying is hard because you know you feel like it's wrong, but you also weigh. Like we all have to weigh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I think a lot of women, women, men in general, they stay like kids. Like what is, what is the opportunity cost? Like I think with anything, yeah, 
you know, but I don't think that that's necessarily the right reason to stay either. Um, you know, I think that divorce in general, like that term, when someone hears like, oh, you've been divorced, um, like that's like a negative term. And I'm still not, think, yeah, I still I'm think not, there's some stigma around it. It's not as sure. bad as it was like in the 1950s, but, oh, but still, sure. yeah, there still is. I agree with you. I mean, I'm in the South and it, there's for sure mm-hmm. still a stigma. I mean, yeah. I was the first person in my family to get a divorce. Um, and you, you don't speak of that, you know? Right. Um, so I feel like, and maybe it's just my own experiences that there is still that stigma. And I am also not for like divorce. Like I, if that makes any sense, like I think that more people, a lot of people just go straight to divorce instead of exhausting all the different options. Mm-hmm. But when Trying there's misalignment, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, are, what are you teaching your kids by staying? Right. And as someone who was is is a product of a marriage that should have ended before it actually did, I and I'm and please know like I'm not a marriage expert um or relationship expert. However, I do have experience. So my parents, my mom left my dad almost like five minutes after I graduated from high school. And then I found out later that she had wanted to leave him for years and years and years before that. And she didn't because of me. I was devastated that she stayed in an unhappy relationship and experienced depression over it all because of me. And it's complicated, right? But I vowed to never do that to my children. If I ever wanted to leave a marriage and I had children in it, then I would not do what my mother did. Yeah, but that's not also your burden to carry. That was her choice. That was right. her decision. Yes, I've been um, through lots yeah. of therapy. You sound like my therapist. <laughs> Stop <laughs> feeling responsible for your parents, Andrea. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, trust me, I, I do lots of therapy too. So I, you know, we we all, I really think that it's like, that's again, has a like unhealthy stigmatism and we all should be doing it. We all, I think, have things that we can unpack, we can learn, we can grow. And it's typically the hard shit that like makes us grow the most and fortifies the most change. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. So let me ask you the end of every chapter in this new book, you walk, let's, let's back up, talk us through this new book. What is the, what can someone gain by, by, by speaking your mind and owning your strength by reading this content? What is someone to, to walk away with? Well, really the premise of the book, it has a foundation. I will just, you know, be very candid. It has a foundation in feminism. And what I realized over the last few years, you know, I had written two books about personal development, more specifically women's empowerment. And I personally am obsessed with getting to the root of the problem. Like I want to know, like, how do we pull the root out of this weed so it just, so we can fix it? And Maybe I'm just obsessed with efficiency. I don't know. But I started to realize that if we're talking about women's empowerment, we're talking about feminism. There's no two ways about it. It it is that way. And if we're talking about feminism, we are talking about the culture that raised us. And also, you know, you can't argue that we do live in a patriarchal culture that harms everybody. It's not just women, it's it's men as well. And also as someone with both a daughter and a son. I was starting to question the the gender norms that I grew up uh, understanding that were true and right, et cetera, et cetera. So when I went to write another book, I felt like I couldn't scream girl power anymore without addressing how we were raised and essentially conditioned to be, uh, you know, in terms of sexism and even, you know, misogyny. And I and it's the book is definitely not heavy-handed. It's not a feminist theory book at all. It truly is women's empowerment. But I do point to the culture 
that that essentially trained us to be a certain way and and so much of what we believe in our feelings around either being too much or not enough. Um, you know, purity, don't get me started on purity culture and things like that. So without going too far into the deep end, that's really the premise of the book and and looking at, because it's very easy for me to say, you need to speak up, you need to ask for more money, you need to ask for what you want from your partner. But we've been trained to not do so. We've been trained to not make other people uncomfortable, to put everyone else before us, to be selfless. And that's what a quote unquote good woman does. That's definitely what a what a quote unquote good mother does. So that was sort of the birthplace of the book. And so at the end of each chapter, I've outlined what I call the unlearning because it's not just as easy as saying, you know, do this and do that. Like we have to unlearn what we've been taught and conditioned to think, to believe and how to behave so that we can learn new things, you know, speaking up, asking for raises, asking for things from our partner, et cetera, et cetera, and also live within the confines of the culture. So I'm not asking people to flip tables. I'm not asking people to be argumentative <laughs> or anything like that. It is a process. I think it is. And I think depending on how that person was raised, their personality, multiple different things, I think that you find, you can find that some women don't do that enough. Mm -hmm. but also, maybe some women do it too much that some men can't handle it. Does that make any sense? Yes. And that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I, yeah. I that's just want to talk about, book. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that it's just 100%. I just wanted to point that out because I think that um, some men need that passive. Some men need that, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I just want to say that as you're listening to this, you can really just digest this information or digest this, this book and really try to figure out where you are. And we talked about this off air before getting on. And I think it goes back to this, right? It's speaking what you need and setting the boundaries in all aspects of life mm -hmm. that you need to be your best. Like boundaries are a, a way of self-love. For sure. And you know, I know that you have you have um listeners who are men and I I hope they haven't turned it off by now. <laughs> like I'm I really I love men. I do. I really really do. And I hope that – and I have had men who've read my books and said thank you and DM'd me on Instagram and said how much they enjoyed it. And if nothing else, I think that men who read this book will understand where women are coming from and why we go we get so upset about things and, and, and why we um, just are the way we are. I think it's sort of like a behind the scenes or like a, you know, behind the curtain of what it's like to be a woman. And I'm always interested in, in what it's like to be a man. I don't have that experience of walking this earth that way. So I ask my husband a lot of questions. <laughs> like, what was your experience? Like, why do you guys razz each other so much? Like, talk to me about locker room talk. And we just have these candid conversations where I don't make him wrong for anything, even though I want to. <laughs> it's not his fault. He was raised in the same culture that I was. And so anyway, I, I got off topic a little bit. But yes, to your point, boundaries are everything. And, and the more I get into this work, just to personal empowerment in general, the more I realize how much of it is around boundaries in our friendships, in our intimate relationships, at work with our children. Anytime you're interacting with another human, there are boundaries involved and they might be being crossed. They might be being honored. They might need to be set. Yes. It's, it's the big, it's the big B word. Yeah. Boundaries. 
We are gonna take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. So um, when people have life challenges, they're at a crossroads, you know, I'm just curious, what advice do you give them? Because I feel like we all are like, we go back to the beginning of this conversation talking about intuition and crossroads. And I think there becomes this gray area, right? Like where you're in a gray area, like you don't quite know which way to step. Mm -hmm. It should be black and white, but it's not. So what advice would you give someone that's uh, in a life challenge and you're not quite sure where to go? Well, I think I call that place the point of no return because it's where we are in too far to be able to turn around and go back. And we haven't fully stepped into the next phase of our life. And I want to mention and acknowledge that many times there is grief there that doesn't get processed or talked about or anything like that. Whether And sometimes it's a good thing. You know, maybe you got, you started a new business and, you know, that's exciting. Or your child is going off to college and you're suddenly find yourself an, an empty nester. These are, you know, these positives, but there's still grief in this transition. So I just want to acknowledge that really quick. And I'm a big fan of writing and journaling. I think that we don't do that enough. And many times we, for some people, we don't actually know what's going on until we start writing it out. It's it's a methodology that I am always giving to my clients and also sort of groaning when my therapist or coach gives me that assignment, but I always end up finding out something interesting about myself and what's next. And I think the last thing I'm going to say is we don't have to make any moves right away. Like You can stay in that place. And I think we we kind of stigmatize procrastinators and people who don't move quickly or take action quickly. And gosh, like sometimes people need time to process and think about like, yes, there is such a thing as overthinking. And yes, you can be procrastinating for not the most healthy reasons. But I am a huge fan of giving people the dignity of their own journey, of their own process. And many times that doesn't look like mine or how I think they should be doing it, but that's not for me to decide. Yeah. I love that. And I think that even for ourselves, we're, 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 we think that we should know, we should know what to do. We should know, you know, so I think Mm -hmm. that I love that you said, you know, journey. I think that what you're going back to is just that give yourself grace. Like, yeah, it's okay to be where you're at in your journey and to not like you're at a crossroads. Like once you make a decision, there is typically a point of no return. So I love that. Um, you talk about money, um, and I'm curious, why did you decide about just to talk about money within the context of this book? Because I don't know, you might, you probably don't know this. You know me as start planner and, and doing mm-hmm. this, but my background is actually finance and I teach people 
how to organize their finances. That's like the core of who I am and what I do. And that's the core of our product. Um, so I'm, and it wasn't until actually I got divorced. I was, I know how to do business finances, done them for over a decade. I'm trained in finance, but it actually wasn't until I got divorced that I realized, uh, I don't really have a full grasp on my personal finances. And uh. so I started running my home business or home finances, like my business. And it, isn't it kind of crazy? That's how it fortified that growth and that what I was doing on the next, next layer of my journey. So I'm just curious why you talk about money in the book and, and what you say about it. Yeah. Well, and I've never talked about money to this extent and it's only one chapter in the book. I don't, don't want to act like it was, you know, a bulk of it, but I hadn't talked about it before because I felt like it wasn't necessary. But I, I also with this book thought, okay, I can't write about, you know, how we were raised and how to unlearn a lot of the conditioning that we've had without talking about money because, oh my gosh, women and money is a thing. And Susie Orman wrote a book with that title, Women and Money. And and she even said that she used to sort of scoff that when people would say, you know, women deal with money differently than men do. And then she started to really dig into it and realize that very much is true. And, you know, I was asking my financial advisor what his take was about the differences gender-wise and how women and men deal with money. And he said, he's like, in my experience, women tend to be more emotional around money, but they are by no means less smart about it. It just, it's a matter of, and, and statistics tell us that women tend to not know about things like investing and stocks and, and all of these things that we typically grow up to think are a man's job. And like, let's be honest, the people who have the most power are the people with the most money. And I want women to have more influence, more power and influence to do whatever it is that they want. <laughs> like, you know, do they want to run for office or, you know, donate to causes that matter to them to change public policy? Do they want to be able to, to retire early or start a side business or completely pay cash for college for their kids? Like, it doesn't matter what it is that they want to do, but statistically, what there's higher instances of women in poverty, especially the elderly. Um, the just the, the stats are staggering around women and money, and I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear that. So that is why I wrote about money. And I talk about just really untangling the emotional side of it. So I'll just give you one example. And that is, you know, who were your early role models growing up who were wealthy women who got that way on their own, who were self-made, not that they married into it or inherited it or were widowed and 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 fell into money self-made wealthy women who were doing good things. I don't know about you, Christy, but I had zero. I had literally zero. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here trying to think. And yeah, I mean. None. I mean, even my you... parents worked, um, but my dad was for sure like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's... I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Cause I mean, I think we all have, we can even look at our parents and be like, what did, what did they teach you about money? And what, right. did, what emotional aspects did they actually layer in? You know, had one that was like, I thought we were not, not going to be eating dinner that night because there wasn't enough money. And then I had another one that I feel like sometimes used money to buy love because I don't think that mm -hmm. she, now that I'm older, I don't think, 
I don't, I don't want to say anymore because I don't yeah. family. No, I know. I, I think we all have common layers. Yeah. Sure. And whether you know it or not, it makes a difference in how you invest, how you spend, if you accumulate debt. Like what's, that's one of the things I wrote about in the book. What's your relationship with debt? I had a friend who started doing money work and she said, I realized I have a love affair with debt love affair. It's always there for me. I always tend to run back to it. And so if you if you kind of personify these non-people, things like debt, investing, just how um how literate you are with with all of these things that are important, it, it can change, it can really, really change your life. And I like I said, I don't I'm gonna climb down off my soapbox because <laughs> I just I and I also want women to talk about it more. I have a friend who um she moved out of state and we were catching up and she told me her salary at this new job which was very high and she said it, without even taking a breath she told me her salary and she said and the reason that I'm saying that out loud is because I want women to be able to talk about money like this anymore without feeling weird and it makes me really uncomfortable to tell you how much my salary is. And I love it. I love that for her. And I do. I want my daughter, like we have a new financial advisor right right now. And I picked a woman because I want my daughter to see women in finance. And I want to my daughter to hear me talking about money in a positive way with my husband, with my wit, female friends, et cetera, et cetera. Cause that's not typically the norm. Yep. It's not. And it's in it's also not typically the norm that women even understand it. And honestly, a lot of men don't even understand it either. Like it's not right. taught. Let's, let's, let's like go to the basics. Like finance is not taught. Not. Like I have a finance degree, but it's not taught in schools. And even like I, I say, I have a degree. Like I feel like my degree actually came from running businesses and, and being in life. Mm -hmm. Like that's where my degree actually came from, even though I know I, I learned the concepts and I just wish that that's why I do what I do. That's why the start knowing your numbers course is what it is because understanding your credit, understanding how to budget, understanding the basics of finance, I feel like is something that everyone should know to be empowered, whether you're a female or a male, so that mm -hmm. you can make the best decisions. And, you know, when I hear people say, well, I don't do the finances. Well, what if you need to do the finances? Like, right. you know, <laughs> I mean, you need to be able to step in and be the CFO of your life, period. It's, and if, there, it's, if it's yeah. something that you can't do, like you need to learn it. I have a friend who's a divorce coach and she said, she's like, Andrea, you would be astounded at the amount of women who are in, you know, heterosexual marriages and they get divorced and the, and the women had no idea what was going on with the finances. Absolutely sure. no idea. And they get screwed over completely. So I always think of it like if, if my husband, God forbid, got hit by a bus, I used to handle the finances and now I left it to him. So he's actually the stay at home parent now, which is a whole nother conversation. That was, that was awkward. Happened right when COVID hit. It was fun. Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I need to know, like, I need to know what's going on, like all of the details. I mean, not to the penny, but just being aware of it. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Andrea, I feel like I could talk to you absolutely all day long. I mean, I really do. But uh, where can, can you let everyone know, where can they get your book? Where can they find out more information about you? Where can they follow you? All that good stuff. Yeah, thank you. I know this is fun. We we there were so many side conversations we could have gone on. And um the best way to find the book is slash noise There's a lot of bonuses over there, some really fantastic ones including like a 40 plus page workbook that's free for people that that pre-order or get the book right after it comes out. And I spend a decent amount of time on Instagram. I'm at hey Andrea Owen over there and so that's the best place to find me and say hi. 
Love it. Andrea, thank you so much. I have a feeling that you and I, our journeys are, are just crossing and just getting started. So you guys all go give her a follow, go check out this new book. I, I really feel like I, my intuition is telling me you have <laughs> a vast majority of life and experience that can, these tactical tools that can change other people's life and lead them down different paths and different journeys. And the people that are at Crossroads maybe make a different decision because of learning from your experience and learning from your knowledge. So thank you for sharing your gift with the world and pouring into other people. Thank you so much, Christy. And, and thank you to the listeners. I know how valuable your time is, and I always want to express my gratitude for that. So thank you for choosing to spend it with us today. Absolutely. And you guys, we'll be back next week with more conversations. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.